of Yahweh, your grace and mercy again raised me. Another breath. This day, the day that you have walked before me, Father God, that you walked before us all. You're with us, teaching, guiding. Thank you, Father, for this time, the sharing of your word that you entrust me to be a conduit for your truth, your knowledge, and wisdom, Father, to whomever would listen and hear, be touched, and know that you are Hashem, Lord, my God. Abba Yahweh Amah, Yeshua Amah, so going to get back into the gospel of Jesus from the perspective of, of Matthew. Quickly, I want to share some interesting things here. And, and it is relative to what I was thinking earlier. I was just, I love this song, first of all, Kenny Rogers co-wrote um, Mary, Did You Know? And thinking on this, I I see that as um, actually a rhetorical question because anyone asking, of course Mary knew. Of course Mary knew. She was spoken to by the angel of God. She received vision, and she knew in her heart the causation of uh, his cousin John inside the womb of Elizabeth when Mary visited the jumping and the leaping, and, and they both knew what was coming. They both knew. Mothers, mothers. Mm. Yes, there are some wicked mothers in this world, unfortunately and sadly. And there are some, oh, so wonderful mothers. Mary, Elizabeth, and um, one here had shared in, in my reading this morning is that we don't hear really anything about David's mother, but we know that what he learned about in relationship to God came from his mother. We know that Jesse was his father, but we don't hear much about his mother. But we also know that when Saul was very agitated and he was hunting for David, uh, in First Samuel 22, 1-4, it's mentioned that he sought a place of refuge for his mother and his father. And they are mentioned, his father Jesse, but his mother not mentioned by name. Um, so, but we know, and, and David does mention and give credit to what she knows about turning to God and worshiping to God, that whatever she did was a very powerful influence. So in 1 Samuel 22, 1-4, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave, Adulam. And when the brethren and all his father's brethren and all his father's house heard of it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress... And that, and everyone that was discomfited gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. So, this person important to David and taught him how he should be with the Lord. I mean, his mother was, of course, she gave him birth, but she was important enough to him and his influence and his learning about God that it reflects and he honors her by telling us about that. So, in 86, I mean, basically that is devoted to her. I'm talking about her. He's talking about the different things that are going on in life and praying and giving 
homage unto his mother, though, um, which is fairly critical. It's critical because he turned to God every opportunity he had because his mother turned to God whenever she knew that there were issues that were coming up and needed to be somewhere of import. And she went to God. And back to Kenny Rogers. Don't get your knickers in a twist over this one. I love Kenny Rogers' music as well. And I also love the song. But back again. Yes, Mary knew. Mary knew who her son was going to be. Probably, I would imagine that she didn't know about the crucifixion. She realized that they didn't appreciate him much at all. They didn't believe him. They didn't listen to his truth. They countered everything he said with hatred and some sort of retribution that they wanted to get on Jesus. And again, I pose a question. What was he thinking when he came to this world? He was thinking about me. I was on his mind when he came to be crucified. And again, personalize the scripture, personalize the word of God. God doesn't mind. You have to understand and realize that there's desires that God has in his heart. He has for us. And you say, what could God possibly want from me? Well, he wants your heart, first of all. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to believe in Jesus. And he desires a personal relationship with each one of us. Each and every one of us. And that means talking to him. Abiding with God. Not just reading the Bible, but abiding with him means that you share conversation and you share things. I love what God shares with me, the opportunity for me to be the conduit, the conduit for the words from his treasury. Continuing, Matthew chapter 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Esaias, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath of wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. And for I am said unto you that God is able of those stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid upon the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. And lo, 
The heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And in low a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. <clears throat> then was Jesus led up to the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Notice something here. And everyone that fears the devil is, I'm sorry, but that's absolute foolishness. Just the truth and the bottom line. They think that Satan is much more powerful than what he actually is. We have been given authority and we have we can claim that authority we declare that authority I declare that authority but do you grab on and claim it see there's a difference you can say yeah Jesus gave us authority but do you hold on to it and claim that and say minions of Satan I rebuke you in Jesus name Satan be gone I rebuke you and all that work for you in the name of my Lord Jesus do you do that? Do you practice it? I'll be quite honest with you. There are situations that have come up on mine and and knowing that I have the authority but not claiming it. And that's what Satan looks for. He looks for us to be fearful of him and not to grab onto that authority, claim that authority, and use it against him because it is powerful, even against him. Jesus gave us that. There are many that don't believe that. They become frightened of Satan because they believe that he is, he is the same as God. He's not the same of God, same as God. He can't be everywhere. Why do you think he has so many minions that operate for him and that he manipulates and controls so many? Because he can't be everywhere. Like God can be everywhere. God is omniscient. He knows all. He's omnipresent, which means that he's always present wherever you go, wherever we are, in grief, in sorrow, in happiness, in pain. From California to New York, Timbuktu, Singapore, Thailand, Taiwan. Doesn't matter where you go, God is there. Remember, David declares this. If I go to the mountaintops, you are there. If I go to the depths of the sea, you are there. If I mustn't descend into shale, you are there. Incidentally, that's translated to hell. Doesn't matter where we go, if we're traveling that way of import to our walk with God, he goes, he's there with us always, wherever we are, whatever we do. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time that thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Now see, we have to remember this, and I share with you. If you notice that Satan also speaks to Jesus about the word. Satan lived in heaven. He remembers things from the word. And he tried to use this. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for this written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now when Jesus heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Esaias. The prophet saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephilim be the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of the death light is sprung up. They were in the shadow of death. They were in darkness. And that great light sprung up. The light, Jesus Christ is a way, the truth, the life, and the light, the light of the world. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. (coughs) And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, and a ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went all about Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy. And he healed them. There, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Also remember this, that there were the Sanhedrin that had their little issues. They had their spies going on. They're wondering, who is this? Who is this Jesus? This Jesus character that comes out here. He's pretty powerful. Look at all the people that follow him. They don't follow us. They're listening to some of the things we say. But when Jesus is in town or he comes by, oh, man, they they leave. They run. To him. Why do you suppose that is? Jesus spoke with authority and truth. And that spirit went out from him and it was recognized. The authority and the truth that he spoke. Coming from the seat of God in heaven. Is indeed a powerful thing. <clears throat> they didn't speak with that authority. They didn't have that authority. They didn't even know the word of God, really. They couldn't speak of things from memory. They had to go look things up, and their argument was always that Jesus was a blasphemer. And as he declared to them, and I will paraphrase here as well, You wouldn't know the word of truth if it came up and bit you. Okay. So I took a little liberty there. That's true. I did. Because he told me, he said, you don't know the truth. You don't recognize the truth because you're involved in the native language of you, of your father and whom you serve. And your father is Satan. My father is God in heaven above who gave the words of all the Torah and all the scriptures and gave Moses the law to begin with. And you don't recognize that truth. 
you don't recognize where I come from because your eyes are scaled over because you are listening and heeding and following your father, Satan. They didn't like a lot of things that Jesus did. They didn't like a lot of things that Jesus spoke. But never forget this. It is very important. Even while he was being crucified and hung on the nail and being scoffed at, spat upon by these men who were of the Sanhedrin, who claimed to be the authority, the high authority, when Jesus was stumbling down the road because he'd been beaten so sorely and taken and he was just so weak he couldn't carry the cross and someone had to come and carry it for him. Even in that stage, even at that point, and he was hanging on the cross to die. He was hanging on the cross to die for me. He looked to heaven and he looked down at these men who were scoffing at him and yeah, shaking their fists at him. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They didn't know what they were doing. They had no idea. They had no clue as to the authority that he had possessed. They had no idea who he was. But there were many who gathered who did know. And they stayed. And they saw the storm come in when he gave up the ghost. Continuing in Matthew 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain when he was sent, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and their thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And in this, I share again, Bethlehem, Arabian, the house of meat, Hebrew, the house of bread, the word of God, Jesus was the word, and the word was with God from the beginning, and the word was made flesh, and that word came, was crucified, but he is our meat. He is our bread. And blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger after the word. And Paul writes in the, in the scriptures, study to show thyself approved. Chase the word. Seek his face. Seek his face in all things that we do. His face is in the word of God. Study this Bible. Study this book from the beginning to the end and from the end back to the beginning. All through the Bible, there is testimony of Jesus. I share again with you, Nebuchadnezzar saw him in the furnace when Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were thrown into the fiery furnace and it was so hot that those that came to cast them in were consumed by that heat in the fire of the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar sitting on his throne at the opening of the furnace so that he could see them in there dancing around just before they perished. But something interesting. Again, with the rhetorical question, because I believe he knew the answer already. Did we not throw three men in that furnace? Then how be it there is a fourth and he is like unto the son of God. So there are excerpts and portions in the Bible that I would remind those and even those that claim to be Christian that there's a separation, that Jesus didn't come until he was born of Mary in the stable, laid in a manger. Well, that's not true to some and in their perspective and their point of view. Why? Because they need to be studying the Word of God. 
Indeed. Oh, so truth be told, and that I will tell, the word of God declares that Jesus was in the Old Testament. Before he came, before he was crucified, Nebuchadnezzar saw him, Joshua saw him going down the path into the valley of Jericho. He encountered the Lord. The Lord declared himself to him as captain of the hosts of heaven. I take no side. We err in the ways that we think that God is going to answer our prayer many times, and I heard it happening during the Trump-Biden debacel that took place in this country and split this country right down the middle. Praying for one over the other. God does not operate that way. God works in the body of righteousness. You pray for uprightness. You pray for truth. And God will sort that truth out. But you don't pray for God to take side and have one candidate to be above the other. Don't you think that God knows who is appropriate? And then, of course, there are those who would question, then why would God, why would God, why would God? You don't question God. You don't have the authority to do that. The authority we have been given is over the enemies of those who walk in the light and walk in his word and do his bidding as is commanded us to share the gospel so that everyone would have an opportunity to hear the word of God. You don't have the authority to question God. Well, what were you thinking? What were you doing? Don't you know, uh, excuse me, omniscient, all-knowing? Yes, he does. Yes, he does know. But here's the thing, too, you have to understand. God made us a creation with a free will choice, a choice to follow his word, follow his teaching, follow his footsteps, be like Jesus, have the Holy Spirit to guide our walk and our steps, or choose to turn our back on him and do how we're going to do. God will allow things to take place. Trust me in this, brothers and sisters. He will allow things to happen in order to teach us a lesson and bring us up. And that's what those things are intended for, is to bring us up and strengthen our faith. And yet there are so many who claim to be Christians. They tap that little label on their forehead and make sure that it's glued in place and that everyone can see it. I am Christian. No, you're not. Self-proclaimed, yes. Are you? No. You don't follow Jesus' teaching. You don't follow the steps of the Holy Spirit. You go completely contrary. You go down the road the way that you want to go, and then you run into chaotic adventures instead of things that are meant to strengthen and encourage us that God allows. And that's an arrogance. Here's a, Remember, I've shared with you before. Peter shares with us in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's one translation. And translation might be different in other books. But the point being this, as Peter shares, humble yourselves. You've heard me mention that a few times. Is that you don't go before God, you don't bang on his door and saying, hey, God, let me in. I have some things to share with you. I need to talk with you. Of course, that's arrogance and that's not being humble and that's being 
pretty rude. God does not like rude. He does not like that. So when I share this out of King James Version, I not that it's really important, but I want to share this with you. I actually have my father's study Bible, his chain reference Bible. He had a lot of his handwriting in here, which is just... I think it's an important analogy that I use my father as an example. So back in the day, left-handed people were thought to be odd. And I'll share this with you. My father was a peculiar man, but he was peculiar in the fact that he was a strong man of God and God had intention for him. God made him and he wrote with his left hand. Beautiful manuscript, and I don't know where this letter went to. It disappeared, as did many things that dealt with my father's history. And I find that an oddity. And my father was left-handed. It was a letter that was written in his left hand. Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And some people tell me, at least before I started, when I was younger, that my handwriting was like that. I had... Very beautiful handwriting. I don't write in the script, but the point that I'm making is that God's intention was that he was loved. God made him that way, made him different than everyone else. And he was indeed, he was a great man of God. My father was my hero, and I never told him that while he was living. Well, um, but the point is that Mammon decided that he was an oddity, and so they were going to cure his left-handedness. And all through school, they belted his left hand to his side and forced him to write with his right hand. And the evidence of that destruction that occurred by that, his handwriting is terrible. And his notations that he has throughout this Bible are, of course, with his right hand, which is unfortunate. There's things that, you know that doctors practice doing that, writing that way on purpose. His writing is worse than that of a physician. You cannot even read it. He would have made a good doctor, but instead he was a firefighter. For 32 years, he put his life online after being in the military Coming back from Guadalcanal, I didn't even know that till after he passed away. And if anyone knows the history, Guadalcanal was a terrible place for the military. Terrible place. And I think the number was ten or 12,000, and there were only a handful that survived and actually made it off the island out in the middle of the ocean. God had intentions for my father. My father survived. Didn't share a lot of the things that were going on with him. And I know that my father suffered through what we recognize as post-traumatic syndrome now. But I'm sharing this with you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And... My father was very good at that. He was a very strong man. He was a very powerful man. He was a leader of men. 32 years, he was a firefighter. He was a corporal in the Marine Corps, except that when it came to God, he was a humble man, a humble man. He didn't claim his authority because he was an NCO of Marines and that he was a battalion chief in the fire department and he was in charge and thus and thus and this and this and though and though. None of that came out. He humbled himself before God. He bowed his head. And he recognized the authority that God had. My mother and father never preached to me. Of course, when I was younger and getting in trouble, I was thinking, why are you always preaching to me? But that's not what they were doing. And they didn't even preach to me according to the word of God, but they, they led by example. 
I find that what they had was an example. <clears throat> and, and in that point in time, and when the laying of hands occurred because of things that were being done that were not righteous, they were not good, and they were warranted. <laughs> yes, they were. And as the scripture says, if you don't lay on the hands and you don't, you are going to spoil the child and they won't be guided, you, there are lessons to be taught. You don't beat your children, and not, and people are so erroneous in this. They, oh, you're beating your child. No, you don't beat your child. You might give them a swat on the butt, one shot, one time that lets them know that you're watching what they're doing. I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to go this direction because it's an example, and this is how people get. My, my son was... He was already told that we were going to go to the store. We could look at the toys, but we weren't going to be able to buy anything because I was just out of the service. I was broke. I wasn't doing anything really. I was working odd jobs here and there and and uh, just didn't have any money to get him a toy. At that time, and I thought he understood that. So <clears throat> rather than leaving him home with his mom, I took him with me. He was running some errands. I had to get some things for the house. And we went down the toy aisle, <clears throat> which I told him we would do. And then he threw a conniption fit in the middle of the store. Threw himself down on the ground. Wouldn't get up out of toy aisle. And I told him we had to go. And when we got to the front, we were waiting in line. And he was still, and people were looking around. He was causing such a commotion. I took him by his wrist and forearm. I had him in one hand. And I took my right hand. And I gave him a swat across his butt. I did indeed. Definitely got his attention. He stopped making all the fuss and he was crying. And I immediately picked him up and I drew him into my chest. And I held on to him and I hugged him and I kind of did the thing back and forth. Well, <clears throat> a young cashier who decided to stick her proboscis into the flower of what I was doing with my son came up and said that I should be ashamed and this and that and beating my son. I looked at her and I said, excuse me. I said, first of all, I didn't beat my child. I gave him a swat on his behind because he was misbehaving terribly. And I said, you see all those people in line that are waiting for you to get on your job because you felt it necessary to leave your cash register and come and try to counsel me on exercising parent over my son. I said, you need to get back to your job. If you intend that you really want to do something, find a telephone and you call the sheriff. Nobody else interfered. Nobody said anything. No sheriff was called, nothing. And then when we got done and we went outside, I sat down with him and I just held him. And he was whimpering. He wasn't crying or, or throwing a, a conniption fit like he was doing in the store. And I pulled him in close. And while he was in close and he... He didn't want to look at me because he was upset. Of course he was. But I said, didn't, didn't Daddy tell you that we couldn't do that today? That we would come back? And through his sniffling, he said, yes. I said, then why did you do that? I wanted it right now. And I said, but son, I love you. I told you we'd come back. We can't do it right now. We'll come back and we'll get that very same toy if you still want it later, but when we can. I said, but don't do that in the store anymore. I said, if I tell you something is going to be a certain way, and this is the important thing, and I believe that it was an important relationship, is that whenever I shared with my son and I told, I worked hard at keeping my word to him and let that choice be his. God does that with us. He keeps his word to us all the time, and he has given us a free will choice. He lets us decide. Are we going to follow what he teaches or what he shares, or are we going to go on our own or we're going to be in charge? Which I've shared with you in Hebrews 11, the, the, the uh, hall of faith, as some share it to be, indicates that there are many characters in there that have done that very thing, and they have not followed and they try to step out and do it on their own. When we step out and we try to do things on our own, it becomes, eh, dare I say, chaotic. 
that we have to remember that we have to thank the Lord. And even it's smack dab in the middle of things. And we have to look at things of where we need to let go and give those cares to God and let him have them. And do we trust him that he's going to be able to lead us as he chooses? Or are we still trying to do things and go according to our thought process? That doesn't turn out well, not well at all. And there are examples of those individuals, and if you go back in their old story, go back to the Old Testament and find them, you will find that they failed, but once they let go and they looked at God and said, guide my steps, everything worked out. We have to recognize his authority, that our authority is given so far. But we don't have the authority to tell God what our thoughts are and that he should be going according to our way. No, we need to pray to God, even in the midst of things that are crumbling around. Like when Elijah was on Hebron and he was out there and the wind was blowing, the firestorm came and the thunder and the lightning and the crashing and you couldn't hear God speaking because he was in the middle of all that was going on and everything was a distraction. But once he got set aside, and this in itself is a lesson that we need to learn. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we need to separate ourselves from all that noise and everything that's going on out and around us that cause that distraction that, of course, Satan takes great delight in. And we separate and we can hear the still, small voice. God does not need to thunder and roar as he can quite easily. I mean, his voice, he is the almighty God creator of all things, that he can raise his voice so loud that it would be heard around the world, if not farther. It could be. So, as I share with you, I'm going to I'm going to actually, it, the declaration to, to 2 Peter chapter 5, this, this is important. So Peter is writing to these folks, the elders which are among you I exhort whom, whom am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. What's Peter talking about? Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord who came to sacrifice himself for us anyway. What was he thinking in doing that? He was thinking about me. And each one of you need to make that a personal testimony. John, Jane, Joe, James, Mary, Bob. What was he thinking? He was thinking about me. Each of you, think of it that way. Many just read the scripture and then, oh, he came for the world. Yeah, the world, that's an important aspect, but he came for me. Make it personal. And Peter's talking about that we do that thing which he called us to do, take oversight thereof, not by constraint, not because we feel like our arm is being twisted behind our back, but that we do so willingly and we share that truth. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, be young, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with a humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So there's going to be a time where we will be lifted up and we won't need to be that. But in the presence of God, we are humble. We are directed to be humble. We need to be humble. We can't be. Now, if you look at Peter, okay, there's an example. He's writing these things in because he learned these lessons. There was a time when Peter was throwing himself out there. Every opportunity he had, he wanted to tell Jesus how to do this. We need to do that. 
things that he was sharing with Jesus that what? Jesus didn't know these things? Jesus wasn't aware? Hello, the almighty begotten son of God. But Peter felt it necessary that he be directing. Peter felt it necessary that he whop off that guy's ear in the garden to protect Jesus, who then picked up the ear and healed the man's ear. Put it on, put it back in place and healed it. So now here Peter has taken a change and he has been learning as he goes to be humble. David writes in Psalms 62.8, Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, we need to humble ourselves. We need to come before the Lord. And you don't tell God what to do. He's already aware of things that are going on. He knows what he's going to do for you before you even ask it to be done. He will do that thing. And as Paul is writing to these, he exhorts you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. I find that hard sometimes because sometimes they come with such an attitude, it's uh, really hard. And having that Marine Corps attitude, you can't respond personally and you can't respond that way. We need to just follow the teachings of our Lord. We need to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need to have faith in God. I'm going to continue sharing in this way because I think it's important that we are aware of Jesus Christ for those out there who don't know him and haven't been studying the word and the invitation is is out there for you every single day. First of all, and important, try my spirit. That means that you find out if I'm sharing truth or if I'm sharing untruth. If my doctrine is true and sound, you're going to be continuing to listen. And that's okay, even if you don't, because you're allowing the white noise interference of Satan to interrupt and interfere. And that's okay. Why? Because here it comes. I don't care. Honestly, I care in my heart that you would continue hearing the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom that God has imparted. But I don't care to the point that your validation is not necessary. My validation is already made, and it's already true, and it's already proven. And that validation is that the Lord God Almighty likes me to share the gospel to whomever will hear and listen. You have a free will choice. He's made us all that way. So if you choose not to listen, that's up to you. But if you try the Spirit, Lean in and listen to that still small voice because that voice is going to tell you he speaks truth. My sharing and my teaching there is the word of God and it comes from there. Like I shared with you already, God turned me off yesterday because what he had given in the early morning hours was mine. It wasn't meant for me to share with anyone else. He meant that for me. So he turned me off. It happens and I didn't say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you, what are you doing? What? None of that happens. When God makes a decision and he's going, I trust my Lord in my steps. The Holy Spirit comes to guide me, to teach me, to strengthen me. What he gave to me was mine. He was reminding me of things that I need to be aware of in my daily walk. I have to be that way because then I continue sharing the truth. Remember, rule of faith. Read from the front cover to the back cover, from the back cover to the front, and you will find Jesus Christ is going to be all through the Bible, all through the Bible, not just in the New Testament, not just in the Gospels, but all through the Word of God. Why do you suppose that is? Because the word was with God from the beginning. In the beginning, there was darkness. Then there was light. 
God created the world and that light was the word and the word was with God from the beginning. And the word became flesh. And that flesh was sent here to this plane of existence to carry a cut and hammered together tree and taken up to a place called, many call Calvary. The name of that place was called Golgotha, place of the skull. Because David, you see how this all kind of ties together if you're paying attention? When David cut off Goliath's head, he brought it back. And the high priest who decided that it was dirty and oh my gosh, if it was going to be in there, then it was going to contaminate everything. See, this is what they were so worried about, touching or doing anything was going to contaminate everything. And see, Jesus was teaching contrary to their teaching that he put his hands on people, he healed their sickness, he healed their leprosy, he healed their palsy, he healed their eyesight by putting on his hand, touching them. Putting their hand. Pharisees couldn't have any of that because if they did that, then they themselves would be unclean. Where is thy faith? So David was told by the high priest that he had to take the skull out of the city of Jerusalem so that the whole city wasn't contaminated by it. Oh my gosh. So he took it out and Golgotha, the place of the skull. Jesus, from the lineage of David, marched up the hill in his weakened, beaten state and was crucified on the place of the skull. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers daily. Those of you who have not decided that you want to be in the family and adopted into the family of the Lord God Almighty and be heirs and joint heirs in the kingdom of heaven, listen to the word, choose, choose wisely. And that wisdom would be to accept the word of God as the truth and that you want to follow Jesus. You want to have faith in God. You want to have the leading of the Holy Spirit in your steps through life. I invite you to do so. I've shared many times. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is look for that redemption. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Knock on the door. Humbly. Lord, I want you in my life. I want to have faith in my heavenly father. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me that you talked about when you were here. I want that. In Jesus' name, amen. So be it. It's very simple. It really is. doesn't need to be this great big huge production and fanfare. I pray that you hear the word. Your heart is drawn to that place. And that you choose to be adopted into the kingdom of heaven. That family that we are all heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. Limitless, spirit-filled with Jesus' love, with God's love, with our loved ones all the time. Go out, have a good day. Be humble, be kind, be loving. And see through Jesus' eyes, through his lens.